You're listening to the Straight Up Saints Podcast. What's up, Houdat Nation? Welcome back inside another episode of the Straight Up Saints Podcast. It's been about a week since I got to you guys with a new episode, and I do apologize for that, but there will be two episodes this week with an entertaining guest. Um, it's either going to be Thursday night or Friday morning. I'm thinking Friday morning, just so you guys can enjoy your Thursday night watching the Pelicans and sports um, are basically back in America, thankfully, and we're going to talk about whether or not that will actually um, extend into the fall in just a little bit, but be on the lookout for that episode. I'll tell you guys from now, it is going to be with former Saints outside linebacker Junior Gallette. And I'll say this, this is not about an episode for people to just, you know, bury the hatchet and make amends with Junior Gallette. It's honestly to see what the hell Junior thinks about, you know, his time with the Saints. What he also thinks about his time with Washington because they are basically in a, you know, dark, you know, dark problem right now with what's going on behind the scenes, what's going on in front of everyone with the team name too, all that. So I want to get his thoughts on Dan Snyder, but I also want to see why does he flip-flop back and forth on the Saints. So we're going to hear from Junior later this week, probably Friday morning. I'll drop that episode for you guys to listen to. So for this episode, there's a couple of topics I want to talk about. I want to talk about training camp, whether or not it can actually last, whether or not a season will actually happen. We're going to discuss that in a little bit. I also want to talk about the NFL Network Top 100 Countdown and why I have an issue with the list and also talk about something that happened with Mike Evans and Marshawn Lattimore during you know last night's airing when they were talking about Lattimore being one of the better corners in the league. And then Jadavion Clowney, will he be a member of the New Orleans Saints? Does he fit the Saints? What would he bring to the roster if they were to sign the former number one overall pick? All that coming up on this episode of the Straight Up Saints podcast. And make sure if you're not following me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, make sure to do for uh, make sure to do so. It's Twitter at Roosevelt Report. Facebook, Straight Up Saints, pretty simple there, and Instagram at Saints underscore Straight Up. And if you haven't become a member of the Patreon page and want to, the link for that will be in the description to this episode. So let's get rolling. Let's talk about training camp and what this NFL season might be looking like. And this Monday was a doom and gloom Monday for a lot of people because the MLB has now had an outbreak of COVID-19 with the Miami Marlins, and that has made a lot of people worried about, well, what happens if you don't have a professional sports league inside a bubble? For starters, look, it complicates things. Anyone denying that, you're basically just being delusional. If you have a bubble, you basically are creating a COVID-free environment if you follow the rules. You follow the rules, and you will find, like we've seen with the NBA and NHL, when you take all these tests, you don't have any cases anymore because everyone is in a safe environment. The MLB is still traveling from day to day and going from one, uh, you know, one state to the next, and all of a sudden... Miami has 14 people, um, staff and players combined, that tested positive for the virus. And that is a dangerous precedent. And now, you know, the Marlins games have been canceled. The Yankees-Phillies game today has been canceled. Big issue there in the MLB. That might happen in the NFL. And that is something that the NFL is going to have to figure out now and say, hey, do we have to create a bubble in four different cities, five different cities, whatever you may need to do to make sure you have a season Or does the NFL say, hey, I mean, we've been ignoring this thing for the last four months. Let's just keep ignoring and just try and push on. And that might be a scary reality, but that could happen. And I have always been that type of person with you guys where I am honest. And I said back in May, I said back in March, I said back in April, look, I'm not going to comment whether or not we're going to have an NFL season because it is so early. Let's see how this country handles it. Well, here's the reality, and this is not about getting political or anything from that. This country has been a disgrace when it comes to figuring out this virus. You look at all the countries in Europe, you look at countries in other places, they have figured it out. Why? Because they were smart, because they were unified. 
America, it's been a battle of who's who, who's infringing on whose rights, who doesn't like what this governor says, who doesn't like what that governor says. And because of that, we've created so much division among the states. And it is July, it's about to be August, and we have more cases now basically than we were having at the peak. And that should have never happened, but it has, and that's the reality. And unfortunately, this virus is like a group project at school. There are some people who are not going to put in the work, and because of that, everyone else hurts. So some people might not want to do their part to be smart, be safe. And because of that, you are seeing cases still on the rise. You are seeing the U.S.'s inability to flatten the curve. So this could affect the football season. It's a reality. It's a contact sport with 53 guys on each roster. It's bigger than any other league. That's a problem. So if the the NFL doesn't have a bubble, you are definitely leaving yourself for exposure of having an outbreak. The one positive, though, that I will say, and it's a positive and a difference between the MLB, the MLB is playing every single day. You know, the Yankees are playing the Nationals, and then, you know, the next day they turn around on a flight, go to Philly, and they're playing the Phillies. The NFL, it's, all right, Saints play the Bucks, and then in eight days, they're going to play the Raiders on Monday night. That's eight days to make sure there is no outbreak. That's eight days to have results and know when we're going to that game, no one on the team has it or two guys on the team have it and they're isolating at a hotel. There are ways to get around it a little bit more in the NFL than in the MLB. The MLB is the worst scenario because not only are you not in a bubble, you are testing every day. You're not even getting the results on the same day. And because of that, you might be playing a game with guys that are positive for COVID-19 and you don't know it. The NFL is a little different in that regard, but... There has to be some serious consideration for a bubble. Michael Thomas tweeted about it. Whether or not that happens, I don't know. It's something the NFL Players Association might have to figure out. But I will say this for people who are probably wondering, hey, Chris, do you think there's going to be a season? I do. I think there will be an NFL season. I don't know what the hell it's going to look like. I can't tell you which teams are going to play well because I can't tell you which teams are going to remain healthy because there's so much uncertainty in this damn year. But I do think there will be an NFL season in some capacity because football no matter what the situation is, we'll try to push through. Um, And I do think they can find ways to be smart about this. It's whether or not they want to, and that's a question that we'll have answered in the coming weeks and the coming months, but we'll see on that. So let's talk about training camp real quick uh, on what's going on with that. So technically tomorrow, first official day of practices in camp, players are coming in, they're going to get tested. You are going to see positive COVID-19 results, guys. That is the reality. This week, you're going to see a lot of players in the NFL from those 32 teams test positive for the coronavirus. And guess what? That should not alarm you yet. You know, July 28th, when you first arrive, if you see there's 10 guys on one team that have it, look, it's not great. It's not encouraging, but do not be alarmed. If we're saying it is August 28th and you got 10 guys that have it, yeah, holy shit, they got to figure something out. That's an issue. So I think people just have to understand there are going to be positive tests within the next couple days, including the Saints. You know, no team is absolved from this. Now, some teams might have had players who handled it better, and you'll see that with the results. But it really is, you know, you're going to see every single team have a couple of positive cases here and there, um, at least a couple here and there. So with training camp, the Saints have signed their rookie uh, class. You know, Ruiz, Bond, Troutman, uh, Tommy Stevens, those guys have signed. It's going to be interesting to see how all those guys fare during the season because it is a shortened camp. They don't have their rookie camp. They don't have mini camp. It will stunt some of their growth, and it is not fair to these guys, but that is, again, like I said, this is 2020. This is the situation we're living in. It is not going to be easy, but I think the Saints went and got out guys that have high football IQs, can adjust, um, are known for being great, um, you know, I would say behind the scenes in terms of work ethics, just being straight-up warriors, you know, getting down, learning from the playbook, knowing what you have to know, and then on Sunday, 
go execute. I think the Saints got high-character guys in that. Ruiz, Bond, Troutman, and even Tommy Stevens. He's probably more of a developmental guy for this year, but I like what the Saints were thinking with that pick. So I do like that. I like that everyone signed. You don't have to worry about that now. But training camp's going to be interesting because you've got to figure out a lot of battles. You've got to figure out your QB, too. You got to figure out what happens with Ty Montgomery. You got to figure out what happens with this linebacking corpse. What happens with the defensive line? What happens in that secondary? Who wins the nickel position? You know, there's a lot of camp battles in between for the Saints that are going to be interesting. And that roster is so freaking deep. And I look at it and I tell you guys from and I and I try to be honest with you. I don't know if there's a roster in the NFL deeper than the New Orleans Saints because a lot of teams have holes. The Saints' holes are minor at best, and the Saints' holes are always, well, if these guys don't stay healthy. You know, it's like, if the linebacking corpse doesn't stay healthy, there's an issue there. If your cornerbacks don't stay healthy on the outside, there could be an issue there. You know, it's always an if. Um, in terms of on paper, it is, in my opinion, pound for pound, the best roster in the National Football League. And with that being said, when you have the best roster in the National Football League, you expect a lot of those players to be on the NFL Network Top 100, which leads me to my next point. That list came out, and that list every year is an issue. It's players voting for it, and the problem with players is they become attached to certain guys. For example, Odell Beckham, who I know people down in Louisiana love dearly, can have a bad season and will still crack the top 25, the top 30, because he's Odell freaking Beckham. And a guy like a Ryan Ramchick, who is, in my opinion, the best right tackle in football, is going to make 18 plus million per year when he's up for a new extension, is going to set the market for his position was ranked 82nd in the NFL. 82nd. I don't know if I can name, sit here and name you guys 20 players better than Ryan Ramchick. But according to the players themselves, apparently there's 81 players better than Ryan Ramchick. And to point out the flaw in this whole you know list and the way it's ranked, Josh Allen, the Buffalo Bills quarterback, was ranked 87th. So you're saying there's only a five-player gap between Josh Allen, who is not even a top 12 quarterback, and Ryan Ramchick, who is a top two right tackle, Lane Johnson being the other one that's up there in that high regard. That's not right. Ryan Ramchick is an all-pro tackle. Josh Allen is a quarterback who completed 58% of his freaking passes in 2019. If you don't see the issue there, I can't help you, but I do know you guys absolutely see the issue there because judging off my tweets last night, you agreed with me. The list is an absolute load of shit. And the fact that Ramchick was 82, for me, is a red alarm. Now, Let's go to the next one. Marshawn Lattimore, 76. You're telling me the 75 players better than Marshawn Lattimore. I know he's inconsistent at times. I know that, trust me. But 75 players better than Marshawn Lattimore, absolute disgrace. And what the only good thing that came out of the Lattimore segment was Mike Evans, who was told by the NFL Network reporter who was breaking down the list, goes, hey, you know, week five, Marshawn Lattimore had a good game against you. And Mike Evans immediately got defensive and said, whoa, 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 he had a good game. No, their defense had a good game. And I have something to tell you, Mike Evans. I was looking at the box score from week five, and I didn't need to do this because I already remembered it in my head because we talk about that game a lot. If you look at the box score, your co-star, Chris Godwin, seven catches, 125 yards, two touchdowns. Excellent game for Chris Godwin. How about Mike Evans? Zero catches, zero yards, zero touchdowns. So you want me to believe that Marshawn Lattimore didn't have a good game when you were held scoreless? I got a message for you, Mike Evans. How do you like them, Matt? Seriously, I mean, how do you go empty on the box score and then still have the nerve to say, I know the defense played well? Like, no, come on, dude. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? And, and this is not the first time that Marshawn Lattimore has bested Mike Evans. Mike Evans has bested Marshawn Lattimore once. Once. And it was that first game of the 2018 season, and that whole defense sucked. I mean, they gave up 40-plus points per game. 
And since then, it's Lattimore just dominating Mike Evans. And he does it with ease, in my opinion. Like, it's become routine now to say, yeah, stick Lattimore on Evans, let him do his work. So I don't want to hear anything from Mike Evans. I thought it was childish. I will say this. I love that there's hate between them because I think the NFL needs good rivalries. And, hey, look, if Mike Evans and Marshawn Lattimore becomes one of the better rivalries in the league, I am all for it. But to sit here and tell us he had an okay game and the defense played well when he was on uh, Mike Evans one-on-one for the majority of the game and Evans finished with zero catches, you're being delusional. I I mean, I don't get it. But while I'm at this NFL Network Top 100 and just to show you how stupid this list is, okay, I was ranking the top 15 seats. And when I was ranking them out, I had Ramchek at four, then I dropped him to five. But either way, in my head, I was like, you know what? Ramchek is a top five saint without a shadow of a doubt. And the only guys I would consider putting over Ramchek, Michael Thomas, no doubt, Demario Davis, Cam Jordan, and maybe Drew Brees, maybe. So that's maybe four, definitely three. And I think Marshawn Lattimore is an outstanding corner. But Lattimore ranked over Ryan Ramchek because it is a, a list ranked by the players, who go off the names, who go off certain positions. Offensive linemen, as important as they are, as much money as they're making, in the eye of the player and in the eye of the fan, will never be seen as high as someone else. Josh Allen, who I think is terrible as a passer, will be seen almost as equal as Ryan Ramchick, who's in the lead offensive tackle. Marshawn Lattimore, who is a good cornerback, I would not be surprised if there's there, you know, there are quarterbacks like Kirk Cousins, ranked over Marshawn Lattimore because that is just the nature of this type of NFL Network 100 list. So as you continue to watch it, guys, as they release, you know, periodically, you know, the the top 75, then they go to the top 50, the top 25, the top 10, the top 5, as you continue to go through that list, you're going to notice Michael Thomas will probably be the number one Saint player on that list and then probably Drew Brees, and no disrespect to Drew Brees, I would say Cam Jordan and Demario Davis over him. But guys are going for the names, they're going for the positions they respect and fear more than others, and because of that, you get an extremely, extremely flawed list. So before I wrap up this episode of Straight Up Saints, guys, I want to talk about Jadavion Clowney, what he could bring to the Saints, if he would come to the Saints, what's going on with that, and let me tell you something. When the Seattle Seahawks traded for Jamal Adams, which, by the way, was a crazy deal, it might be a win-win for both teams, but either way, to see that much draft capital given up for safety... It had me tossing and turning and saying, what the hell's going on? Like, I mean, safety's a good position, but it does not impact the game the way a receiver can, the way a quarterback does, the way offensive linemen can, the way a great pass rusher can. It just doesn't impact the game that much. And yet they gave up two first-round picks, gave up a third-round pick. They gave up Bradley McDougal, who's a pretty good safety in his own right. And that was expensive. And when that happened, I believe it was Jeremy Fowler from ESPN said this all but closes the door on Clowney to the Seahawks. So if Clowney doesn't play for the Seahawks, if Clowney doesn't want to sign with the Cleveland Browns, if Clowney doesn't want to take the offer from the Tennessee Titans that's been on the table since, I believe, May, if Clowney doesn't want to sign with the Raiders and he's had an offer from them since, I believe, the beginning of June, um, if I'm right, because Gruden apparently does have a man crush on Clowney, and that makes sense. He seems to be his type of uh, you know athlete um, and just his type of player overall. If he doesn't want to take those deals... And we know that he's been linked to the Cowboys, but the Cowboys have their own issues to worry about because, frankly, they have a quarterback who they need to pay on a franchise tag. It leads me to believe that if the Saints had more money right now, Jadavion Clowney would absolutely be on their roster. And no, this isn't me speaking of a fact. What I do know is that his agent has told people that, hey, if the money's right, Clowney wouldn't mind playing for the Saints. That is a known. That is a fact. 
What we don't know is who Jadavion Clowney is going to play for, and frankly, he's running out of time. I mean, it is July 27th. You might be listening to this on July 28th when training camp opens up, and he won't be on an NFL roster yet. And from what people are saying, it could be the Browns, it could be the Titans, it could be the Raiders, it could be the Cowboys, and it could be the Saints. Now, the Saints don't have the cap space. I totally get it. But how many times have the Saints not have the cap space and they still pull off a move and then everyone starts complaining like the guy who runs over the cap that says the Saints, you know, they mess around with the salary cap, they do some shady business. It always comes out because the Saints seem to be, you know, under that um, by barely like maybe a million dollars, two million dollars under the cap and somehow pull off a move like that and everyone freaks out. What can Clowney bring to the table if the Saints were to sign him is interesting. Because I can't sit here and tell you guys that he's going to sign with the Saints because we don't know. There is not enough known information out there. I mean, think about it. Jadavion Clowney has been the top free agent on the board for months now. And we're not getting daily updates. We're not even getting weekly updates on what the hell's going on with him. You're lucky if you get an update every month that says, okay, these are the teams that have checked in with Clowney, and that's all we know. You're lucky if you get that. So it's been quiet on that front. But what I do know is if Jadavion Clowney were to go to the New Orleans Saints, he would absolutely help out that defense because not only are you adding another interesting pass rusher to your rotation, you're just adding a huge body to that defensive line that has been banged up over the last couple years. Sheldon Rankin's hurt. We've seen uh, Trey Hendrickson hurt from times. We know Marcus Davenport has been a little injury prone through the first two years of his career. What I like about Clowney, and a lot of people are going to say, oh, he's overrated. He only had three sacks. He's never had a double-digit sack season. Stop looking at the sack number because the double-digit sack season cracks me up because in 2017, he had nine and a half sacks on 21 QB hits. Just take one more of that QB hit into a sack, he's got double digits. In 2018, he had nine sacks on, again, 21 QB hits. Just take one of that QB hit and turn it into a sack. Guess what, folks? That is double-digit uh, double sack seasons in back-to-back years. Narratives can be flawed. It's easy to look at numbers and twist it and turn it to fit your agenda. But for Clowney, it's not about the sacks. It's about the quarterback hits. It is about actually getting pressures on the quarterback, which he can do better than most. For example, in 2018, he had 48 pressures. 48 pressures, guys, is a lot. 48 pressures is an elite number for a defensive lineman. For example, a guy like Daniil Hunter, who we all agree is one of the best defensive linemen in football, will get about 50 during his good years. So 48 is an outstanding number for Clowney. And how about in 2019? He plays only 13 games. How many pressures? He has 30. Is it great? No. But let's consider the circumstances here. Clowney didn't get traded till late in the offseason, didn't have that much time to prepare and work out with the Seahawks, which is why he was a little rusty at first, and he also was battling an injury, and he still finished with 30 pressures. And now you're taking that 30 pressures and remembering that Marcus Davenport can also give you 30-plus pressures, and that gives you an elite defensive rusher across from Cam Jordan. You're never going to match Cam Jordan because Cam Jordan is a top five defensive lineman. Cam Jordan is one of the best defensive players in the National Football League. He just had 15 and a half sacks. The guy is a stud. But Cam Jordan, with a combination of Jadavion Clowney and Marcus Davenport on the other side, would be lethal. It would really change this defense. And I'm talking about a defense that looks not maybe not as good, but a defense that can do what the 2015 Denver Broncos defense did. And that is When your older quarterback is not playing well, your defense is good enough to shoulder the load. And I'm telling you guys from now, a Cam Jordan, Marcus Davenport, um, Jadavion Clowney, Sheldon Rankins, David Onyemata defensive line, 
backed up by Demario Davis, one of the, if not the best linebacker in football, with playmakers in the secondary like a Marcus Williams, a Marshawn Lattimore, Janoris Jenkins, um, a, a Malcolm Jenkins. You cannot tell me that that would not be one of the better defenses in the National Football League. In my opinion, it would be at least a top 10 defense. You're probably talking top seven, top five, if everyone stays healthy. Like, that's the potential of adding a Clowney. It's not so much that they need Clowney. It's that Clowney would put them to that next level. And now, like I said earlier in the show, I can't tell you who's going to stay healthy. I don't know who's going to win this season because there's so much uncertainty in the world right now. But what I can tell you is, if the Saints do stay healthy, if the Saints do add a Jadavion Clowney, the only thing that can stop them is health. It's the truth. And I know some people are still out on Clowney and some might think he's overrated. But for one year, for a guy who would try to reset his own market value on a championship team, there is no better combination. There is no better combination, guys. I'm telling you. We have seen players take cheaper deals, one-year deals, to reset their value and take off. And the way I'm thinking about it, I'm thinking about the Patriots. When they beat Seattle, I believe it was the 2014 season, okay? The Patriots added Darrell Revis. The Patriots didn't necessarily need Darrell Revis. Now, I don't know if they win the Super Bowl without Darrell Revis, but they didn't need Darrell Revis to be great. Revis just had a poor season with the Buccaneers. He didn't look good. Revis goes to the Patriots for a one-year deal, resets his value, wins a championship in the process, guys. And guess what? Guess what's waiting for him on that other side of that championship? A huge contract with the New York Jets. Now, he didn't play well with the Jets after, but he got the job done. He got his big contract, and he got a championship in the process. And the Patriots didn't worry about re-signing him because they weren't there to keep him for the long haul. They were there to win the short-term period, which is win a Super Bowl in that one year where you have that player. And I think Jadavion Clowney is a similar scenario where you're trying to get him for one season, you're trying to win now, and guess what? If he does leave, who cares? If you win, if you win a Super Bowl, who cares if he leaves? And what helps is you got Marcus Davenport right behind him who might even turn out to be a better player than him during the 2020 season. I think he could be. So for the Saints, if you can get your hands on Clowney, it's a no-brainer. Um, I think this is a money thing right now. I think Clowney knows how good the Saints can be. I mean, they lost to the Seahawks lost to the Saints this past season when they didn't even have Drew Brees. So I think he knows how good the Saints team can be. I bet he knows that defensive line has interesting parts that he can work around very well. Um, but at the end of the day, the guy needs to get paid. So there needs to be a delicate balance between the financials and the contending team. The Saints have the roster. That is no doubt. There's no denying that. But do they have the money to make it work? We're going to figure that out um, in the coming weeks because you'd like to think that Clowney would be signing a deal before the season starts. If not, I don't know what the hell happens. Does he miss the entire season? Who knows? Um, so it's going to be really interesting. I think Clowney's going to sign within the next week or two. I think it's going to be interesting to see who he lands with. And if he lands with the Saints, I'm telling you, this is going to shake up the entire NFC. And the only thing holding back this New Orleans Saints team would be health. But anyway, guys, that's going to do it for this edition of the Straight Up Saints podcast. Remember, later this week, I'm going to have an interview with former Saints outside linebacker Junior Gallette. It will probably be explicit content. It will probably be a lot of stuff out there. Uh, I'm just going to let him speak his mind. Uh, and I hope you guys enjoy that. I know Junior's probably not a, a you know very fond in the Saints community. Um, and as someone who watched him, uh, I can't say that I am someone who was a Junior Gallette fan. But what I do think is that he will come in and give you guys a lot of straight from the heart um, conversations 
and it might be interesting. It might be raw like the Delvin Bro interview that I had, but I hope you guys do enjoy that. And I also have another interview next week with a former member of the 2011 Saints offense, and we're going to talk about that team and what they could have accomplished, as well as what he thinks about this, this current Saints team, Drew Brees, and what he's doing now in his post-football chapter of his life. So two interviews coming up in the next week and a half for you guys on the Straight Up Saints podcast. I thank you guys so very much for listening. I hope you guys take care for the rest of your week. Stay tuned for more content on Twitter because training camp's opening, and it's going to be fun to see what happens with all those positional battles, so stay tuned for all that. Um, Please be safe during these times, guys, and look forward to that new episode of Straight Up Saints on Friday.